We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. You know, in preparing for this week, I was doing some reflection and I thought of something that really, it's just, it's stuck with me over the years. You see, a number of years ago, while I was doing uh, my seminary school, I was doing an internship uh, at, you know, at a church. Uh, and this is a church I served uh, for many years. Now, you all know I am not a fan of prosperity preachers, not at all. Um, however, at this time, uh, the pastor of the church invited Jesse Duplantis uh, to come out and visit. As a matter of fact, uh, he came out not once, not twice, but um, a few times. Um, he'd come out once a year for quite a while um, leading up to COVID. And during his um, one of his visits, he said something that hit me as profound. And, and, you know, even though it came out of his mouth, it, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit yelled out, you know, do you have a relationship with Jesus or do you just know about him? Do you have a relationship with God or do you just know about him? There is a difference. And he'd go on to say that it takes great faith to read Jesus' teaching, let alone believe it. And this reminds me of something. How do you get to know Jesus? You know, this is something we talk about all the time. You know, we preach about having a relationship with him. And it's a constant, you know, any any church that you go to. But just how do you do it? So I'm going to go through a few bullet points today. And the first one is exactly that. How do you get to know Jesus? So we all need to realize that we don't just know everything right out the gate. It would, you know, it sure would be nice if we did. But the fact is, we don't. We have to learn. We have to be taught. Uh, and that's with anything in life. God knows this, and he's taught us in various ways, uh, and by us, you know, I, I mean humankind, you know, um, you know over, over the centuries. Um, Jesus did the same. Uh, Jesus, as a great example, he would use parables. For example, take the prodigal son, right? Um, he would ask a question, and then he would lead listeners uh, toward the answer. Uh, for example, in Matthew uh, 16, verse 26, which states, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, questions like this, it really makes the brain go into overdrive. Just thinking about it, how to, you know, and trying to, to get to that answer. You know, how about teaching by example? Jesus didn't just tell us to do as he said. He showed us how. Take, for example, if you would turn with me to John uh, chapter 13. In John chapter 13, uh, verses 3 through 7, the Bible says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin 
and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. How powerful is this example? And Jesus, here he is, he's washing the disciples' feet. This is something that by that culture and the society norms of the day was beneath his status. This is something that a servant should have been doing. Yet here he is, and he's cleaning the dirt, the mud, the muck, the feces that covered the common roads and the paths uh, of, those, of those times uh, because of all the people um, who went through the livestock and all the other signs of life and wealth and everything that took those paths every day back then. So, you know, he was he was leading by example. You know, and, and it's like any other subject that you learn in life, whether it's in, you know, so, something in school, you know, your math, your histories and, you know, language arts and all that stuff. Or if it's a skill like riding a bicycle or cooking or even a trade uh, that, you know, will pr- help you, uh, you know, provide you with a, a job um, and everything. These are all things that you have to learn, which is my second bullet point. We learn. Well, how do we learn? You know, would you consider yourself a good student? Just because you read the Bible? After all, it is the most important thing that you're ever going to read. Well, I'll put it to you like this. Do you learn everything you need by just reading a textbook? Do you learn everything you need about driving just by looking at different vehicles? Like, ah, motorcycle, truck, school bus, you know, do you absorb it that way? Uh, How about this? Can you perform an operation on a patient because, say, one of your parents is a medical doctor? Or are you an expert on something because you watched a video on YouTube? No, of course not. None of us are. Even if the Facebook lawyers like to say otherwise. You know, I saw this on Facebook. It must be true. No. We all have to have instruction. But you have to start to work in applying the instruction you're given. It doesn't do you a whole lot of good to read something if you don't apply it. So it starts by reading. When it comes to the Bible, it starts by reading and hearing the word. So you become familiar with it. And then you have to break it down even further. Something that you hear me do very often when we go into various books. You know, who was the writer? Who was the intended audience? You know, what, what area was it in and what was happening, you know, or when was it? And, and how does it apply to, to me today? You know, what's the context? Context is so important. And to study the Bible, you have to get into it. You have to really dig in. You know, when we say study, not just me, but, you know, any anybody, you know, they say study the Bible. They mean study the Bible. You have to take steps to truly understand what you're looking at you can't just pick up a book and fill in answers you know in in with the workbook or whatever you know it's one thing i you know it comes to bible studies with various groups it's one thing i've absolutely hated They're like oh 
here's a textbook you're going to pay for. It. Oh, but don't worry if if you miss a miss an answer, you know, because it's all fill in the blank. You can find the answer in the back of the book. You can just scribble it in. No, no, that's not studying. That's just waiting and looking for keywords. You know, not, you, you can't just show up to a group. You have to participate. You need to write things down. You need to, you know, keep a journal. Or if you like charting, try charting. You could chart out the who, what, when, where, when. You know, and, and not only that, if you're, if you, for those of you who like graphing and charts and all that kind of stuff, this gives you a great visual to reflect back on later on. You know, um, even um, you know meditation, and by meditate, I don't mean that. Empty your mind, Eastern philosophy stuff. I mean, yeah, you need to clear your mind out, get all the world and everything out of there. However, once you've done that, you need to fill it back up. You open it up and you fill it with God. So it's not just this empty, just do-do-do, or any of that other stuff, you know. Your, your, your mind's actually quite busy reflecting and thinking on all these different things. So when the Bible talks about meditation it is not talking about just sitting there and thinking about nothing it is talking about reflecting on his word you know to give diligent and meaningful thought to the scripture and here's the thing well what's written is the same every time what we get from it changes depending on where we are and what we need in our lives. So you, you can read a passage hundreds of times, come back to it time and time again. But then one day, it just grabs you. That light goes off. Bing! And you're like, whoa! I've never noticed this before. It speaks to you. That, that is the Holy Spirit talking to us. When you hear that, that's the Spirit talking to you. You also have to pray on these things. Ask for wisdom to understand the knowledge that you've been given. Because it is one thing to have knowledge. After all, we can all read a how-to manual. But it's another thing to fully understand it. And apply it properly. You know, I've said it in the past. You know, that, that difference between book smarts and street smarts. There's the book smarts, but then how do you apply it? Right? So keep in mind, this, this is the word of God. This is how we get to know him. What he's about. What his character is. What he wants from us. How we should serve him. You can't expect to have a relationship with someone just because you greeted them at the door. You think about it. You have to open that door up. Let that person in. And have conversations with them. Notice I said conversations with an S, not a conversation. Your relationship with God is exactly the same. So how do you do that? You pray. You don't need special words or meter or rhyme. Prayer is just taking the time to talk to him. Talk to God like you would anyone else. Matthew chapter 6 verse 7. So Matthew 6 7. 
the Bible says. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So, you don't need to use a hundred fathers, father God, God, Lord, thou's, or these, or any of the rest of that stuff. You just, you know, when you hear that, when people are praying, and that's what they're, they're filling space. They're trying to figure out what to say, and they're thinking, oh, this is the way to do it because this is the proper, oh. Guys, we don't speak in the King James anymore, all right? All you need is an honest, from-the-heart conversation with God, Okay? And that's it. That's what prayer is. It is a conversation with God. When you talk to other people, do you go sit there and go, Hey, Joe, did you know, Joe, that we do this, Joe? You know, no. Nobody talks like that. See, you know, you watch certain TV shows or read books. You're like, why, man, why do they keep saying their name? I was like, we know who they're talking to. They know who they're talking to. Back off. You know? And So moving along here. So remember... Earlier, I you know um, when I started this today, I said it takes great faith to read Jesus's teaching, let alone believe. It does. It takes faith, which is my third point. Let me introduce you to another way of looking how a relationship works. You know, you can depend on someone when you can thank them in advance. For example, um, think of a parent. Um, for this, I'm just going to use dad. Hey, dad. I need five bucks. Thanks. All right. As opposed to when you don't have a relationship with someone. Hey, can, can I borrow that pen? May, may I have it? May I have a sheet of paper? Or can I, you know, just uh, hold on to that paper clip for a little bit, please? It's a different cut. The phrase is different because you don't know if you're going to get that or not. As opposed to, you know, hey, dad or hey, mom, you know. It's it's a different it's different um, question because the outcome is different. So let's take a look at how this replies to a relationship with God. Well, I'll break that down for you. Giving thanks for a blessing, or in other words, after the blessing, is gratitude. That is gratitude. Giving thanks before a blessing, before it's even happened, is faith. Just like that question, I said, hey, can I have five bucks, Dad? Thanks. You already know it's coming. Gratitude means that it's after the deed is done. But faith, faith, that comes before the deed, before you've gotten anything. You trust that it will happen. It's not a matter of if. Instead, it's a matter of when. And of course, that when is always in the Lord's time. You see, that's the problem with a lot of people today. They go to a church, uh, or I should say a church service, thinking that they found this great fix-all. Because the way somebody described it to them, you know, they've been sold. So they think they found this great fix-all, but they don't have faith. They want the cure but they don't want to treat the affliction. They know of God, but they don't know God. There is a difference. See, people want the quick fix that's going to get them through. And that's why many, 
many of the lost, when they look at the Bible, they hear about the Bible, they think of it as just another book. The faith isn't there. Faith comes from hearing. See, and ignorance is not an excuse either. Much like the law of man, just because you didn't know doesn't mean that you're going to escape punishment. In fact, it's just the opposite. Just like the law of man, you will be punished. Just because you knew, didn't know or, you know, knew or didn't know doesn't matter. Leviticus chapter 5, verse 17. So Leviticus 5, 17 states, I know usually I say the Bible says, but right here I'm going to say states because it's very specific. If anyone sins and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though they do not know it, they are guilty and will be held responsible. So it's important. That's why we read our Bible. Faith comes by hearing, right? How do we hear? By reading. So what do we expect? So we're going into uh, my, my, fourth, uh, my fourth bullet point here. What to expect. Now, I'm going to huge, I'm uh, sorry, I'm going to hit a huge one right out the gate here. I'm going to hit a big, shiny, red button. And it is a hot topic in the Christian world. It really is. And, it, and it's one that's commonly mistaken. And I'm going to go into some very specifics here. And I'm going to back it up with a scripture here. So hold on. Because I'm going to be speaking about tongues. Now, I am not talking about that gibberish that many people try to pass off as tongues here. Let's break it down. Acts 2, verse 4. So Acts 2, verse 4. The Bible says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So right here, what Luke is talking about is people suddenly being able to speak in a foreign language because of the Holy Spirit. All right? Not some gibberish, but an actual language. Languages that they didn't know miraculously came out like they'd known this language their entire life. It's like if I went to Finland, started to speak to someone, and all of a sudden I started speaking in Finnish, even though I've never spoken it or studied it a day in my life. All right? First um, Corinthians chapter 14. So First Corinthians chapter 14. Verses 21 and 22. So 1 Corinthians 14, verses 21 and 22, the Bible says, In the law it is written, With other tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. Quite a bit there, right? Now, this right here, this is the missing element. This is what people either don't know or they forget about when they bring up talking in tongues. Tongues, it's not for believers. It is for the non-believers, Right? Because faith comes from hearing. You need to be able to hear something. You need to be able to understand something. If you don't know what someone's saying, you don't understand the words, it needs to come to you in a way that you will hear it. So while these people are focused on trying to hear, quote-unquote, tongues, they're missing 
the prophecy and word. They're like, oh, I got this nailed down. But they don't because they're focused on the wrong thing. I'd like to share a story. Um, this came from a, a pastor friend of mine. Um, we're, we're just going to call him Tex. So when, when Tex was growing up, his parents would send him to this uh, summer church group every year. All right. On, on one particular year, there were a couple of new brothers um, who went out and their grandpa had come with them. Uh, and as it got to the end of uh, everything and it's closing down, uh, this is that time when, you know, if you've ever went to these camps, especially back in the day, they'd start praying over over everybody, you know, and people would sit there and they'd pray for hours, right? Um, the boys, they would pray and then they'd wrap up and they'd go to their grandpa and grandpa would tell them, hey, go back and pray some more. This happened a few times. Finally, it got to a point where one of them asked grandpa, hey, why do we need to keep praying like this? It's been hours. And their grandpa told them, they weren't leaving until he saw undeniable evidence that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Ouch, right? So they went back to praying. A few minutes passed, and suddenly, and loud enough for everyone to hear, they're speaking in tongues. Their grandpa was so happy. We're talking cloud nine here, okay? So he picks his boys up. Says, that's it. That's what we're waiting for. Let's go home. Take some home to their parents. Well, a few days go by. Nobody's seen these these boys. Tex finally sees them at church. It's like, hey, where have you been? What happened? Well, as it turns out, they've been grounded. They're stuck doing chores and stuff around the house. Grandpa was so excited that he rushed them home and then right away told their dad what had happened. Now, their dad, who was already suspicious, asked what they had said in tongues. Their grandpa was able to repeat part of it. You know, he, he didn't quite he didn't understand what they were saying. Uh, it was very rough, but he repeated what he could. That right there was all their dad needed to hear, and it sealed the deal. Ruh -roh. What had happened was the boys and their parents had just moved back to the U.S from their dad's previous duty station in Japan. And what grandpa heard them speaking was a dirty joke in Japanese that they had learned in the couple years that they were living in Japan. So keep in mind, even though you hear something that sounds legit, you still need to be mindful. Because especially if you don't know exactly what somebody's saying, well, A, it's probably not for you to hear, but two, it could just be part of the show. Focus on yourself here, okay? The you know when people say, "Hey, you need to be speaking in tongues." That's that's the irrefutable. Everybody, nope. Guess what? Wrong again. Romans twelve, verses six through eight. So Romans twelve, verses six through eight. The Bible says, "We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us." If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. 
Now you'll notice here, the Bible says right out the gate here that we have different gifts. It's not the same gift given to everyone. So don't be fooled when, when someone comes around and says, you have to have a gift of tongues if you're saved because that's not biblical. You just saw it right here in Romans 12, 6 through 8. Matter of fact, you could even guide them to this. We all have different gifts. I play bass. Not everybody plays bass. I ride a motorcycle. Not everybody can ride a motorcycle. Some people are pilots. I can't do that. Some people, some people speak several languages. I speak pretty bad American English. You know, we all have different gifts. Nurses, doctors, policemen, taxi drivers, janitors. We all have different vocations. Those are all gifts themselves. We all have different things that we can and cannot do. We all have different understandings of things. All right. So um, turn with me now to John chapter 14. So in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 21, the Bible says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. The Bible's teaching us that when the Spirit is within us, we know He's there because He convicts us of our sins. Now, this in itself can be very sobering, very sobering moment. But on the flip side of that, because we are able to speak to Him when we're attacked by Satan and his lies and troubles that we have in life. He's able to bring us great comfort. Those sudden convictions or comforts are the same reason you see some people break down crying in a church service or while they're praying or while someone's praying over them. It's because the Holy Spirit's speaking to them. You know, if, if you've never felt it, I can tell you from my own experience that this comfort is real. You know, at, at a time when I was surrounded by chaos, scared, confused, that comfort that is beyond our understanding, that, that was how I knew the Holy Spirit was with me. A time when I should have been falling apart, but instead I felt this comforting warmth, and I knew things were going to work out. I knew things were going to be all right, and that God was there with me and looking out for me. You see, I knew this, and so can you. So can you. Philippians chapter 4 Verses 6 through 7. So Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. The Bible says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it's one of God's many promises, and you find it when you're in relationship with Him, through faith and through prayer. So start working on that relationship today. And if you already have a relationship with Him, then keep working on it. That's the difference. Remember, do you have a relationship or do you just know of Him? Work on that relationship today. As always, uh, if you have questions, you have concerns, send me a message, let me know. And uh, you know, if there's something else that you'd like to hear us speak about, or if there's something I can go into more detail on, reach out with that as well. Uh, of course, uh, you know you can reach out on Facebook uh, at Be the Light Sanctuary, um, or um, you know you can go to uh, our website as well at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Uh, take care. I'll catch you all next time. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you would like to know more about our ministry or how you can support us. You can find us on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary, or you can go to our website at BeTheLightSanctuary.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. God bless.